Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, this is the fourth Thursday of the month, which means it's time for Vegan Conversations with Robert Cheek, and he chooses the most interesting guests to interview. And today, it's somebody I actually know. I met him on the cruise. I haven't seen him for years. I can't wait to hear what he's up to and connect, but let's introduce the host of Vegan Conversations with Robert Cheek, none other than Robert Cheek. I think this is your first show since you've been back from the cruise, right, Robert? Well, we did that special one with Jeff Palmer with the Vegan Bodybuilding World Championships a couple of weeks ago, which I appreciate. But as far as Vegan Conversations with Robert Cheek, yes, we're back in action, making it happen the first time since the Vegan Cruise, where all three of us hung out. And who's that other third person? None other then vegan athlete and entrepreneur, Roger Smith. Roger, welcome to the show. Pleasure is mine, Robert. Good to see you, buddy. Long time. Yeah, good to see you too. It's, it's been a little while, but I've, I've often thought that you have some of the biggest and best arms in the whole vegan fitness industry, the best biceps around, and you have been vegan for more than two decades. So it's not like you built your body by eating animal protein. So right. Roger, why don't you uh, talk to us about your vegan journey? Because you started more than two decades ago. Why don't you tell us the beginning, the origin story, and then we'll take it from there and learn about your advocacy, activism, what you eat, how you train, and where you get your protein. <laughs> well, thank you, Jeff, AJ, and Robert for having me on the show. Um, yeah, I I'm, I'm just so, so excited about it because uh, let me start over like my journey. So I'm originally from Panama. A lot of people don't know that, but I, I am. So, so being Latino, having that background, we come from a very uh, strict um, dietary choices, right? To put it in those terms, right? It's because a lot of that had to do with culture. So culture plays like a big role. And part of the culture, you have like the way you dance or you have like a typical dance, right? But you also have the food that you eat plays a role on part of that culture because they all gather in the family and they all eat. So the reason why I bring that up is because I never had any type of knowledge or any type of education where how do we properly, right? Basically, this is what you eat, this is what you're going to eat and you go from there. So my journey started it like Robert said, 20 plus years, 20 years ago, as a matter of fact, it's been, it was 2002, September, I will become turning 21 years old as a vegan. <laughs> and um, my journey started in, basically it was me having that curiosity. I had, a, I have a friend that actually, he's a vegan, long time vegan. So if I'm 20 plus years, he'd be probably around 23, 24 years in the, uh, being a vegan. But back then they didn't even call it vegan. They even call it like strict vegetarian. I think it was the term that they used. So um, vegetarian resort was pretty famous back in, in those terms. So I started it with him by him being um, part of our group of friends and then not eating animal product. But I was like, why? Why you don't consume animal product? Like, why you don't eat pizza? Everybody's eating pizza, basically. Everybody's eating burgers and you're not eating this type of food. So like, what's going on with you? Like, this, you have a problem. There's something wrong with you. And then he finally told me one day, like, did you really want to know why I don't eat this type of food? You have to read this book. It's called, he referred me to The Miraculous Diet. That was a book that he gave me to read. But I read the book, but it was the book it was so, it, there was a lot of terms that didn't resonate with me at that point, right? Because there was a lot of, um, a lot of technical terms and I, I was in my early 20s. So I was, wasn't really paying too much attention to health at that point in my life. 
So what, um, so my, well, my curiosity kind of sparked me to continue researching and, and kind of knowing more about the lifestyle. And uh, that led me to um, go online. And when I went online, uh, I got I saw a PETA video. So animal welfare was the main reason why I actually turned vegan. And uh, from that point on, it's just, I, I didn't even change. So it's just been like that. So basically my journey started with a PETA video. And it's funny because I asked a lot of my friends that started around that same time. And they all tell me the same thing. Like, oh, I got, I got inspired by a video that I saw about animal slaughter and you know, something like that. I don't know, so maybe it's a very graphical way to, or getting started, but that's what we had back then. And the internet was just coming out. So I'm kind of spilling my age at that point, but it was just coming out. So that was basically the main reason why I turned into vegan stone. And then from there, I started researching more and more and more. Yeah. Well, Roger, that's another thing we share in common. Yeah. I started obviously more than 20 years ago from a PETA video as well. It was factory farming and very specifically for me, animal testing. When I watched those animal testing videos of animals with their, you know, arms and legs tied down and things put in their eyes and, you know, uh, forced animal testing upon them. I thought, man, I don't want to contribute to that. And I, I grew up on a farm. I was around farmed animals and, um, and other animals. And I, I just thought that was, those are really cool practices. And man, what if I could, you know, build my body without having to contribute right. to animal suffering? What would that look like? So let me ask you about that. I mean, you're obviously, uh, you're an athlete, you're a vegan mm -hmm. bodybuilder, you've mm -hmm. competed, you and I actually competed at the same time, the same competition in Texas yeah. Uh, yeah. some years ago, about a decade ago, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you and I go way back. Uh, we got a lot of mutual friends and a lot of right. history together. So how did you get into the fitness industry? Did fitness come first or veganism come first or they kind of go together? And, and how did you build such a muscular physique? Oh, I love, I love telling the story because, um, cause you know, a lot of had to do with you, but let me, before we even go there, let me go back. So I'm always being an athlete, right? So I always play sports. So I had to give it up to my dad because he always helped me do something. So I play soccer, I play basketball, I play baseball, volleyball, you name me, every single sport out there, skateboarding. I did it. Like I was a very active kid on my younger age. So, um, during my time in high school, I gravitated to basketball, which is another thing you and I have in common. So I fall in love with the sport of basketball. So I played that sport for, um, for my all, all through my high school year. But I suffered a really bad injury in my ACL, uh, grabbing a rebound. And uh, it kind of, quote unquote, ended my career because back then we didn't really have that much of the knowledge of as far as like science and technology and how to rehab those kind of injury. So basically they just snapped my leg back in position and said, you keep playing. So that kind of injured me for the rest of my life. But anyway, so uh, since I'm always been into sport, I decided to, uh, you know what? Um, I, I started to get to a point that what is going to happen with my life from that perspective, from the fitness perspective that I can do. And, um, and one of the things that I decided to do was like, well, I need to find something that also gave me that passion that gravitated me to my, stay myself at this, because even though now I'm playing the sport that I like, I still want to be able to continue doing those activities. And, um, and at that point in my life, I was starting to go to the gym, but I, I used to go to the gym, just kind of like, yeah, just to play around with the weight, just to say that I was going to the gym. Right. I just go and play away because I never had a quote unquote um, problem with weights, I like a weight problem, right? It was, I, I was never, I was being slender in, in, in the way of my body is. 
Um, so I never saw like going to a gym for, for a person that needed to I get put muscle or get stronger or any of those things. So since I wasn't really into, into living to go into the gym for like, for that particular reasons, I started thinking, well, what do I do? And then, um, and then, well, at that point in my life, I was in a relationship and the person that I was dating at that time, um, she, um, she needed to, like, she wanted a workout. She wanted a, a personal trainer. She wanted a workout. So we both went to the gym and the guy was like, no, you also need to go to the gym. This, 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 you, you definitely need to work out. Look at you. You come to the gym. Like I'm serving you because this guy that trains another gym. So anyway, so that kind of created my uh, motivation. But the biggest motivation was because when I was going through gyms to, to kind of get information about working out, we're talking about this was way back. Everybody, when I keep telling them like, hey, I'm vegan and I'm not thinking about changing that, they will used to say, well, no, you're not going to build any muscle. That was like, how? How are you going to tell me I cannot build muscle? The answer should be how we're going to do it. So I think about it from a different perspective. Change the narrative. Don't tell me that I cannot do it. Like there has to be a way. So I went online. I started researching vegan bodybuilding, veganbodybuildingsandfitness.com. Hey, there you go. So I found the community. So I found your site. And as you know, and you have shared this for thousands of people, that community it was like the kickstart for our career in this fitness world. And then you was kind of one of the main mentors of it. That's the reason why I was like, you know, I need to meet this guy because they, he and a bunch of the friends are doing this. But of course, unfortunately for me, they're not close to where I am. So they are somewhere in the world, but these communities keeping it close. So your website kind of like was the kind of catapult for me to, okay, I'm going to get into a fitness. But if I even, if I even fast forward a little bit more to that story, um, the first time we met was in Portland. Right, remember in the vet fest. Yeah. And then at that vet fest, um, I was getting so many feedback from different folks, like, hey man, you need to compete, you need to compete, you need yeah. to compete. Like, I mean, I'm just lifting weight at this point in my life just to be on a healthier standpoint, just to kind of put myself to do something. But now I'm getting a lot of feedback, like you need to compete. And then I was I was like, you know what? If people are saying that I need to compete, I'm just gonna try because I also think that it would be a good way for you said as an activism. And then that's how my fitness bodybuilding career kind of gets started. But you know, a lot of that motivation comes from from you, Robert. Well, I appreciate that, Roger. And you know what? You do have one of those physiques where you see you and you're like, man, yeah, this guy's gotta be on stage or in magazines or representing veganism, you know, on a, on a larger scale, because, you know, I was a champion bodybuilder, but you are way bigger and stronger than me. I don't know, you know, people may not be able to see through the camera right now, but you are, you are quite a bit bigger. Um, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're tall, you're muscular, um, and you have those, just those towering muscles, like the, the arms, the shoulders, the back that it's like, man, that's an opportunity for advocacy and activism. And that's, I still strongly believe in that, that we, uh-huh. you know, we wear veganism on our sleeve, like literally, you know, we right. wear it on the back of our shirt, on the front of our shirt, we wear it on our chest, we wear it on our arm sleeve. You know, right. we, we carry that with us because it's like, man, how does that guy get that big without eating animals? And he's been right. doing it for, you know, whether it was 10 years ago, you'd been doing right. it for a decade or now doing it for more than two decades and maintained it and sustained yeah. it. So I want to ask you, what do you say when people say, when people ask you, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, how do you, how do you build muscle without eating animals? How do you do it just on plants? Like what's, what's your response to that? 
Well, so this, uh, for my response to that is, is this a bigger why to that, right? So why, why do I do it is because being a vegan uh, allows me to do, it's, it's something greater than just me. It's not just, just about me. It's about others. It's about the animals, about uh, life. It's about, it's about a combination of things. So I have a bigger why. So when I go work out, for example, to me, it's more than just, oh, I'm doing it for myself. It's a, there's a greater purpose behind it, basically. That's what I'm trying to, to explain here. So what I tell people is that, um, is you really understand um, the, the science for saying behind building uh, a physique, uh, you, you, you're going to see that it's not necessarily required. You don't need any animal product. That or it is just the way we've been brainwashed, basically. The way we've been brought up is just thinking that that's the only source or that's the main source or that's the ultimate source of building muscle. Your book says all this stuff about like just gotta read all the information. The information is out there. So they people have been brainwashed or are being brought up this way to thinking that this is this is the way it is to eat and, and there's no other way. And then um and then then for people that are, let's say vegetarians or vegans that um they think that they don't can get okay they cannot accomplish their goal because of the vegan diet or because the vegan lifestyle or the plant-based lifestyle so it's like it's the opposite right so one they've been saying no you can't get that and the other one say yeah you're gonna get it because you eat you have to eat this and it's we always tell this this thing right why filter your food you'll go straight to the source right? right so we always talk about that so for all those folks out there no this there's no need for animal product for anything for anything absolutely everything that you want you can get it vegan right and then um if you have the right combination of eating the necessary food meals and necessary for your body to grow rest drink water and do the proper exercise you're gonna accomplish those goal now how fast do you want to do it that's a different topic but you can accomplish those goal right so uh, they even think they even added another extra layer to my to my story is oh you're too old now, now, now it's not that I'm vegan, Robert. Now it's like I'm too old because I'm over 40. So, oh, okay, well, you're too old. No, yeah, you can't build muscle now because you're too old. So I'm like, okay, so now before it was because I was vegan. Okay, so now I can be, now we this, we got rid of that myth. Now it's the age thing. It's another thing. So it, it's always something. But if imagine if I start listening to every single thing out there that people are saying at me for whatever reason, I will never going to accomplish anything in life. So we right. want to be able to, to stay focused, you will to eat the right proper meal. Look for help. I will advise that you look for help. You have somebody that knows about it, especially if it's a vegan. Because you want to find somebody that helps you. I'm, I'm hoping that you find somebody that has the same lifestyle, similar lifestyle you have, because they understand your pain, frustration. They understand the struggle. They understand the positive things. They can, they can guide you better if you have someone around you that can definitely provide you with some incentive when you are working out and doing what you need to do. Roger, isn't it interesting, your mm -hmm. observation you made that people are always trying to look for a reason to discredit what you're doing. Oh, it's, right. you, you know, you can't possibly really be vegan. Maybe you're, you're, you know, you're actually eating animals quietly in, in the, right. the background or you must be using anabolic drugs or steroids. Right. Or, you know, clearly you're not, you know, natural or, you know what, um, you know, you just can't do this at your age, you know, and right. that's the barrier. It's, th there's this strong project, uh, projection that mm -hmm. a lot of people have that um, because I can't do something, I don't right. want to believe that you can do it. Exactly. You're showing me that you can do it. I'm going to discredit you because 
if I'm eating animals and I can't do it, there's no way you can do it without eating animals. And I like the way you said it a few minutes ago when you said you were just learning, you were kind of getting into the gym and people said, oh no, you can't, you can't do this on a plant-based diet. And you said, how are we going to do it? Right. You asked the question. No, yeah. don't tell me I can't do it. Say, how are we going to do it? Understand that amino acids are amino acids and they come from the original source from plants. Right. Right. This is where you're going to get the original sources of the building blocks of protein. You're going to get the original source of vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, fiber, nitric oxide, water rich foods, uh, high nutrients in low calorie form. So you're not going to carry a lot of extra, very likely extra. Yeah. Those, those nutrients are going to go to use. They're going to go to build your body. Like, I like that you asked that, you know, how are we going to do it? Don't tell me I can't do it. Let's just talk about how we're going to do it. So let's talk about that for a minute, Roger. So yeah. what, are, what are your, you know, people always want to know about not only what you eat, but they want to know about protein. It's the most popular word in the nutrition world, this macronutrient uh, protein. Mm -hmm. So what are your favorite plant-based protein sources and how do those fit into your meals? So if you could talk about your favorite sources, but also how you work those into your meal plans? Yeah, that's a good question um, because it, it adds a lot. And I honestly, I tell my clients and I and tell myself uh, that I won't say not necessarily not to worry about protein, but you should not make a big quote unquote deal about protein because if you're eating a, a whole food plant-based diet, it's so rich, it's so nutrient dense, it's so rich in all the different amino acids and vitamins and minerals that you're going to be getting. So you're going to be getting all the nutrients that you need. So um, some of my favorite uh, sources of proteins, we got, uh, I even though I eat beans more as a carbohydrate, but they also have protein. Same way with vegetables have protein as well. So it's, it's hard for me to miss it, right? But um, I could add to that. So I can add some like, stone, like tofu. Uh, we add lentils into it also. We, we might do also... Um, so on Satan every now and then. So this is some of the main, main sources of, of protein, but I keep my food very balanced. Uh, I focus on eating uh, my combination. I, I eat all my micronutrients, right? I eat my, my, my social protein. I got my, my carbohydrate and, and I have my fat. So for healthy fat, I like to, I like to eat nuts and some seeds and also avocado. Uh, that's one of my favorites. And so for carbohydrates, um, I usually stick into sweet potato, potatoes, um, sometimes brown rice in, in that sense. And there's also protein in rice as well. So in, in, in for, for protein, I could do soy, um, I could do some, um, some lentils, I consume some beans. So just, just a variety of food, amount of food, as long as I'm eating that, that amount of calories, and uh, breaking those down in my car, uh, in carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, I'm, I'm able to reach my goal. And then everybody can do that, but you just have to know how much is that amount of food that you need to eat to establish to get to that goal. And we have spoken about this uh, uh, many times. So me personally, um, if I tell you like on a, on a regular day, how my day looks like, so I might start my day with like oatmeal, um, I, I drink oatmeal with my water. <laughs> This is just about a bit of competition just to avoid a little bit of the extra um, uh, calories in there. But I might use some flax oil, I mean, some flax milk per, per se, and then maybe my sprinkle a little bit of, of hemp seed on, into it. Um, but I also like to do a lot of fruits. And so I eat blueberries, all the berries. All the berries are my favorite. All really good for you. Um, the berries, um, bananas, uh, of course, all as well. And uh, so I do a lot of fruits and, and then all, 
and then the rest of my meals, my four, five, seven meals um, in the remaining of the day are going to be very similar, right? Uh, I might have uh, either fruits in one size, because uh, I like the sweet. I might have a sweet tooth, so I like dates, for example, because I love sweets, right? So I, eat my, I might just eat dates by himself as a snack. And then my food, my meals will be basically either sweet potato, uh, I might have maybe tofu on one side, and uh, just salad. And I just go crazy on salad. My favorites are spinach, broccoli, asparagus, uh, Russell sprout, you, you name it. So like, I don't, I don't literally limit myself. I don't, I don't limit myself. I try to keep it as much uh, colorful as possible. It's simple because I'm a guy, so I like to just go quickly to make my meal and go and go on my business. Um, I do wraps as well too. Uh, just you know, use basically use a whole wheat wrap and, and make, make make it that way. But I try to keep my foods very simple. And then because at that point, especially when I'm competing, food for me is more as a fuel, not not a luxury. So I avoid going out and, and having a lot of oily food. So I basically focus more on eating at home. And I can control so what I eat and how much I'm eating. Yeah, Roger, you just mm-hmm. said two things that I think are simple but very profound. Yeah. One, you said a little bit ago, and I want everyone listening to remember this. You said that if you reach your calorie intake needs, that you'll reach your protein intake needs, that you don't obsess yeah. about protein because if you get enough calories by default, because of the nature of macronutrients and the embodiment of food and where the amino acids come from and all of that, if you reach your calorie needs, you'll reach your protein needs. You said that, I think that's very profound. And for people just to make sure that is a take home message, because that question keeps coming up about Mm -hmm. protein, about protein, about protein, but we have to look at total calorie intake, which is how we gain weight, which is how we lose weight, which is how we maintain skeletal muscle mass. It is a reflection of whether we're in a calorie surplus, a calorie deficit and the nature and the source of those calories, which I appreciate you sharing the types of foods um, that you eat. And the other thing you said was that was profound. It just slipped my mind. So I'm going to have to remember it. Um, I'll have to come back to it. It was the last thing that you said. Um, so I'll come back to that when I, uh, when I, when I think of it, no but, um, but I appreciate you sharing yeah. not only your diet and why you eat the foods that you eat, uh, but that that's what makes up a, a, a diverse calorie intake that supplies the things like the micro and macronutrients that we need to consume. Yeah. If I think of that other topic, I will let you know. But yeah. in, the, in, in right. the meantime, mm-hmm. um, there's something really in, important here. I get this a lot when I'm traveling, when I'm touring, when I'm speaking. Um, you know, Marilyn had a question. You know, she's she's worried. She's got uh, four teenage boys and they like mm-hmm. to build their body. They like to lift weights. They want to get bigger and stronger, much like you, you and I, like we had aspirations of getting bigger and stronger, right. Right. but they worry that they've got to consume animals because that's what we learned that milk does a body good, that beef is what's for dinner. They read the muscle magazines. Perhaps they see it on social media, uh, all these uh, influencers who are you know, omnivores and all of that. And right. so she's asking, how do I convince them or convey to them that they can get all the protein they need from plants? Because, and this is important, I'm concerned about their future health because of the relationship between animal protein and heart disease and other common de- degenerative diseases. Uh, what would you say to Marilyn and her and her uh, about her four teenage boys who are currently on a path of building muscle eating animals? 
Yeah, that's a really good question, Marilyn. And first thing, uh, congratulations for actually being uh, a very a very upfront mother and then trying to uh, help your kids to to have a longevity because that's what we want to accomplish. Um, and and the reason why I said it is because uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Dirk Treesize, told me one time, and this is, he told me one time that I, I, I get a lot of messages from different people that we know. So I might quote them every now and then because that's stuff that's stuck in my mind. And I think that can help you guys in some way or somehow. So Dirk Treesize one time told me, I'm going to, I'm going to help you to build uh, a longevity in the body using bodybuilding instead of um, instead of just getting a quick body. So what he meant to say, and I'm not quoting him in the way exactly, but this is kind of what he told me. He basically was saying like, use the sport of bodybuilding to use it as a fitness um, goal for you, as a fitness strategy for you. And not just to oh, want to go on stage, have a quick body and win a trophy and get out. No, use it as, as to maintain yourself active as, as, a, as a sport that allows you to have a longevity in life, to stronger your bones, your, your muscles and other different things. So and have a better health, you maintain a nice um, waist and maintain a nice physique. So basically, that's what I'm using the sport for, which is a good message. So going back to Marilyn's questions is. I think Marilyn, um, you have to start with providing them with information. Uh, and, and one of my ways that I think that I can help them because of their age is through look for vegan uh, influencers that can that can uh, they can actually associate with, or they can see themselves, or they can reflect with. Like try to try to find these these athletes that you think that they have some good qualities. And um, and then though, because we have Robert have a huge list on any of his book that you can just go through the list to see find which of these athletes that has um, the the personality, the qualification, what whatever is your requirement in ours, find those athletes and have them follow them because if these people are doing the right thing, then it's easier for them to follow that the message from the others that follow your message. Because usually when we are not on that age, a teenager, we don't want to listen to our parents, but we'll listen to outsiders. And then the same thing outsiders are telling me, it's the same thing my, my parents might be telling you, but we don't, at that age, we don't associate that because we just rebel, right? We just do, oh, we know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. So uh, one of my suggestions is try to find a, like a role model. And I don't necessarily, I like to use that term, but trying to find an a, a influencer or just to use a, use a term and somebody that they can that they can mentor them in in that sense, and they can see that hey, you know, this guy is doing the right thing, or this girl is doing the right thing without consuming animal product. I think that would be a good starting point. I think another advice that I will give them is, um, I don't watch documentaries and things that they can, uh, uh, the things that are more more practical. Because if you sit down and give them a lecture, they're just gonna bore and not gonna do it. So it has to be a way that it captures their attention. So maybe like a documentary on TV uh, or maybe on YouTube or, or watch a video, something that is related to the topic and then create a conversation. Don't, don't try to uh, uh, like go hard on them about it. Just let, hey, what do you guys think about that? Why you don't try for a period of time? Hey, well, let's do, what, what do you try for, I don't know, 30 days, uh, 60 days to see how, or see how you feel. Let me see how you feel by doing it. Because once they start, making those small changes and then trying it, then it might, they might continue. They might continue doing it, or at least they try it for that period of time. And then eventually at some point they'll, they'll change their mind. But the thing is like, they need to have 
a figure or something that they can follow and say, okay, it's possible. I have, you know, Robert, Robert's community and all the other friends that we have. That's how I got, that's how I got inspired. I got inspired because I saw others that were doing it and they were doing it successfully. I'm like, oh, it is possible. Yeah. Okay. Instead of me following this guy saying, no, you can't do it. No, I'm looking for the guys that know how to do it. Okay. And let me go talk to them. It's like, you want to, if you want to learn how to fix a car, you don't talk to a doctor about it. You go talk to a mechanic. Right. And then if you want to talk about building muscle as a plant-based diet, you don't go talk to a carnivore because he doesn't know any better. He's going to tell you it's not possible because the only thing he or she knows is how to do it with their eating. But we know how to do it with our lifestyle. We know how to do it. So we got, we, we got the secret, which the secret is not nothing secret. <laughs> Just say, there's nothing secret about it. So we, have, we, we know how to do it. So come to, have them talk to someone that knows about it and is doing it in a successful way. That way they can get inspired. And then hopefully that helps them make that transition. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, thanks, Roger. I think that's, yeah. that's great advice. You got to find role models. You got to see people that you can... Um, try to uh, mimic their actions, mimic their right. meal plans, lead, uh, follow from their example, um, look to them for guidance, advice, or as, as simply as a role model, as someone who has already accomplished what you're trying to accomplish. And I think that's, right. that's great advice that, so vegan influencers, vegan athletes, vegan experts, right. Those, you're, you're right. When you're trying to learn something new, you go to someone who's already done it. You know, you, you don't go to someone who doesn't have experience in that area or else they are right. going to lead you astray or they're going to say it's just not possible. Yeah. And as you and I know, and many others know that it certainly is possible. And not only is it possible, you can do exceptionally well. We know right. many, many uh, colleagues who got their start back in the early vegan bodybuilding website, like Tori Washington. And yeah. you mentioned Derek tree size and yeah. uh, Nima Delgado, Natalie Matthews and right. so many others. Uh, who who came up through the ranks and now are either professional vegan bodybuilders or have elite status or are champions and numerous organizations and all of that and and, uh, and that's and that's where you can find a coach a mentor or even simply like you said just look online even on social media and find someone who's doing what you want to achieve and just kind of pay attention to what they're doing and and learn from them. Uh, there are also tons of authors and chefs and personal trainers and coaches and uh, fitness enthusiasts uh, in the vegan world that you can look to for guidance too. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I, one time, one time I asked you, cause I had a robber in my, in my podcast and um, I asked him a question the other day, like where he thinks the future of veganism is heading to. And he had a really good answer. He said, I think it's interesting because you asked, I asked you that question maybe like a, what, two years ago. And then this is what's happening now. So you literally, the problem side is you basically, I asked you like, where, where do you see the future of veganism going? And you say, I think more athletes are going to be doing uh, plant-based and they're going to be the ones that are going to inspire the next generation. Well, now, I mean, how many NBA players do we have now that are plant-based? I mean, and in all the different sports. So basically what you told me two years ago is like what's happening right now. So going back to Maryland's, um, you know, whatever it is your kids um, sport or, or, or they want to do is they want to build muscle. There's a lot of athletes, famous, non-famous, influencer, whatever. Just find one, follow them, and they'll, they'll, they'll put you. A lot of them are happy to just share their experience. You know, <laughs> they're happy. They're happy to share. Yeah, it is great, Roger, that there's yeah. so many more plant-based athletes now in professional sports, in Olympic yeah. sports, winning world championships, winning world yeah. titles. 
uh, setting world records or just simply just showing that you can do it in the NBA and the WNBA and the NFL and right. these professional leagues. And of course, bodybuilders and powerlifters are doing exceptionally well in yeah. some of the biggest, strongest sports that are often associated with eating as many animals as possible. And now here are these right. people who are just eating plants and, and, and winning powerlifting competitions, setting weightlifting records, winning bodybuilding competitions, you know, around the globe. Uh, so people are out there doing it. So you're right. Go find them. Uh, let's, let's switch gears and talk about, yeah. let's continue to talk about the nutrition for a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more nuanced. Uh, Cynthia wanted to know about vitamin B12 and um, what plant-based foods have it, or if you got a supplement with it. And while we're on that, Roger, let's talk about other supplements too, just because protein and supplements, when, when I have like, you know, weightlifters, you know, bodybuilders, big muscle men or women on the show, uh, these are the questions that come up. So uh, what do you have to say about vitamin B12 and supplementation in general? Is that, is it necessary? Where do you get it from? Uh, those types of things. So when it comes to B12, this has been a topic for so many years because it's so it's just two sides, right? So one side say, well, yeah, you don't need B12. Um, I won't say, well, you don't need B12. You don't need to supplement it, you know, find food or not. Other says that you do, you don't. So it, it depends on what size you are. So I personally feel like um, if I'm eating food that has B12, then I'm and taking B12. So for examples, um, nutritional G's or the ones that I get uh, has B12 on it. So if I'm using nutrients in my food, so I'm consuming the B12 that comes into, into so the fortified flakes, like they call it. So it comes in my food. So I'm taking B12. So at that point, I don't even think about supplementing it. So because it's in there. So I know there was for a, for a long time, it's always been the concept of like, well, vegans are deficiency in B12. And you can be, you can have a B12 deficiency without even being vegan because I know omnivores that are, they take B12 and they're not even vegan, right? So that's not a vegan thing, for example. This is a personal thing. It's a, it's a nutrition thing, whatever, how you want to categorize it. So the, the person have a deficiency in B12, regardless of your lifestyle, then yeah, you have to take care of that, right? Now, if they say vegans deficiency in B12 because of the whole cell being in the animal and the food that they eat and all that different things, we mean or not. I, I don't want to get into all that. Everybody knows where the origination of the B12 comes from and, and not. If you want to supplement B12, take your supplement and then be happy with it and then continue doing what you're doing. I personally prefer to eat food instead of supplement food. Supplements for me is a supplement is to add on to what are you doing. So I'm a segue right there into a supplement because I kind of pair both of them together. So if I can find any food, any food um, that has B12, I'd rather consume that than have a supplement. But if let's say, if, I mean, the worst case scenario that, oh my God, there's no other alternative. I need to I need to up my B12 intake for some reason, and then supplement will be the cucumbers. But yeah, I might definitely, of course, I'll take a vegan B12 to put it in those terms. I don't really have to explain that, but yeah, so I'll just say it. But for me, it's all about eating uh, as much food as I can eat. So my, my whole thing is like, if I can eat, the more whole food I can eat, the better. So if I break it at 80, 20 or 90, 10, however I'm gonna break it, but the more whole food that I can consume, the more actual food, this actual neutral sources, then I'm happy. So I think that's a great balance for me. And um, 
and then going going now to supplement. So I'm not an anti-supplement type of person. So I'm not I'm not here to tell you guys don't take supplement, don't take protein shake, don't take this, right? Um, but I rather you consume your food more than you take supplement. So for example, I um <laughs> there's a, there's a product. I'm not gonna plug the product here, but there's a product now. It's a it's a product that is high in protein, have no carb and no and no fat. So I, I when I saw that product, I'm like, wow. This item, this product is a food. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, I'm going to give up. It's a soy product, right? It's a soy-free product, actually. So that's the name of the brand. So it's a soy-free product. It's high in protein, no carb, no, no carb, no fats, for example. So, so for someone that's saying, well, I need to up my protein intake. Yeah, now you don't need to even have a protein shake because now you got something that you can cook and you can eat, right? And then you have that actual meal instead of having to go and let's say take take a supplement now if you if you take supplement well make sure that if you take supplement look for brands that are more on the natural side like you can read the ingredient you understand what you're consuming and even even though you can actually make your own protein powder with oats you can just put it in the blender and you can add a couple of things just a couple of recipes online i can show you guys a couple of recipes online that you can actually make your own protein powder is that you want to make protein power powder. So I, that's where I am with, with, with supplements. I think it is, you can never replace eating food and working out. That's one thing that I'm going to tell you guys, never. So you, you still have to put the work, whatever that work implies, you still have to eat. You still have to have your calorie surplus calorie. You have to be, um, you still have to do the due diligence in that sense. Supplements is just to add on, basically. So it's not, it shouldn't be the staple. If you're getting started, I wouldn't even recommend thinking about supplement. Not even. Focus on getting your food right, your form right, your rest right. So focus on the basic stuff. And then if you get to a level that you might will start thinking about supplement. That's just my advice to you guys. Because when I started, it wasn't like, oh, I didn't, I didn't go on to grab it like, hey, what's the best supplement that we can take? No, so you ask the question like, well, what a workout? How do I fix this? How do I, how can I gain this? Like, you start working the basics and then you can start adding things while you start learning. It's the same thing like when you start learning about veganism or start learning about eating your, your food, you start with the basic stuff. Okay, how can I replace what I'm eating? Instead of thinking about, oh, what is the ultimate food for the maximum health? I mean, it's like you'll take different steps. Let's take different steps. So that's my advice with supplement. Um, I'm saying in, in basically I'm saying that if you're gonna take supplement, try to do as most natural as possible. Uh, read the ingredients, try to make it from reputable brands out there. Um, I would advise anyone that start that starting even your level, even your level is high or, or or level is medium, depending on where you are and you're working out. Try to stay as more whole food as possible, and then stay away from a lot of those chemicals, and then. Um, and then if you're talking about B12, then for me, in the specific B12, the same thing, I will put in the same category of supplement. Is you can get your B12 from other sources of food, get it from there, and then make sure you're getting enough. Because I asked a doctor one time about this, and they said you have to have a certain amount of um, B12 per person and then per day, per, per sample. So you make sure you're consuming that amount. If you can get it on food, get it on food. You can do it through food, but it's new. Then you can take it through supplements. So that's my take on that. What about you, Robert? What is, what's your what's your point of view on this? Yeah, I think also it, it, 
it's important to get blood work done to find out what you might be high or low in, for example. I mean, when I got tested uh, fairly recently, my B12 was off the chart on the high end, right? (laughs) So I haven't even supplemented with it in a while because I I was on the high end. Like I was on the highest end of uh, B12 levels. And maybe that's just me. Everybody is different. Obviously, I I was supplementing with B12, but even not all all that often, to be honest, I was just, you know, I would just supplement with it every now and then. And then I haven't done so in in months because I was on such a high end. It didn't seem like it was a priority because like you said, you know, you can get it from food and and the the absorption is what matters most. And so when it comes to supplements, I have this exact same perspective as you, Roger. So I don't need to repeat everything, but the idea, I look at it the same way that it's designed to supplement a nutrition plan that should already be the foundation of your Mm. overall health and food intake. I, I thought of an analogy while you were talking about that. You were talking about how, come on, you got to just start with the basics. I mean, eat, you know, eat the basics, eat the macronutrients, get divert, right. get your, make sure your calorie needs are met. Um, yeah. Eat mostly whole foods. Um, if you're going to supplement, supplement with natural sources as much as you can mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. It's very much like I started thinking about going to the gym. If someone's new to going to the gym, you don't need all the wrist straps and the gloves and the special equipment and the chalk and all this. No, no, no. You just got to get the reps in. You got to put the work in, do the basics, the presses, the pulls, um, the the compound multi-joint movements, the leg exercises, uh, free weights, machines, that kind of stuff before you get into all the nuanced stuff that is, is for people who are much more advanced. And so will you see supplementation on a relatively large scale in the bodybuilding industry? Sure, absolutely, because these are very nuanced things where the the minutia matters as far as manipulating body fat intake and how this supplement interacts with this other supplement to give you this really uh, low body fat and and muscle definition and and this view of um, conditioning and all this kind of stuff, muscle symmetry and balance and all that. But that's for people who are really advanced right. in that area. Right. For most of us, we just need to eat healthy foods. I mean, Roger, some of this stuff is going to yep. alar- alarm you. Um, 80% uh, of, of Americans eat fast food once a week. 37% okay. of Americans eat fast food every single day of their lives. Uh, these are according, these are official polls. Some done, okay. you know, uh, I've, I've cited them in some of my recent work that this is just the nature of it. Most of us are not eating healthy whole foods as the foundation. We're eating a calorie surplus um, right. beyond what we're burning off through um, our basal metabolic rate and through exercise. Um, this is adding to uh, weight gain across the board. Something like 73.6% of Americans are, are overweight, 40 mm-hmm. something percent. I can't remember exactly, 47% are, are clinically obese, that kind of thing that, that comes from a, uh, a foundation of diet that is not anchored in whole foods. And, and we right. know that. And it's not just animal foods, it's soda and it's oils and it's right. all that stuff. But when, when do we eat those things, Roger? We eat them when we're going to go eat animals. We eat so right. we drink soda when we're going to uh, go, go to a burger place. We're right. consuming all this extra oil because it's on our, it's on our burger, on our pizza. Um, it's, you know, in our tacos, it's, it's in the food that we're consuming where animals are consumed yep. the most. So even though the, some of these things are not necessarily coming from animals, like the sugars and the oils right. and the salt and all that stuff, 
the way it's consumed, the package in which we intake it is from mm-hmm. fast food restaurants, family diners, uh, frozen entrees, and food that is largely animal protein based. So we can just simply avoid that. And then honestly, I think, Roger, the need for supplementation decreases when the nutrient intake goes up. You know this, I think about me, I haven't used sports supplements in more than 10 years. And I'm still like you in my forties and and at times in some of the best shape of my life and some of the strongest I've ever been in my life without any supplements, except for B12 Mm -hmm. uh, various times throughout the year. So I think we're on the same page there. And I think uh, Jody had a question about what do you look for in supplements and all that? I think you already answered that. Um, You know, when it comes to protein shakes, you, you talked about looking for ingredients, ingredients to understand as clean as possible, look for whole food sources of, these, uh, these protein, um, supplements or even just increased protein sources, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah just I, make your own protein powder as you want to make your protein powder. Just, you can make your own, your own, uh, oats, um, beans, you blend their stuff and favorite looks like a powder. And then you, and, and then that's it. You can use, um, date sugar. I mean, there's so many ways you can do it. So, I mean, if you really want to do it that way, you even cheap, save a little bit more money. And in the same time, it will be a lot healthier because you know, while you're consuming, so. Yeah, and, and Roger, we, we have a plastic crisis around the world right now, wow. and many protein powders come in plastic containers. I know some are in yeah. um, biodegradable bags, but only a few of the hardcore vegan uh, brands are in general. Yeah. Um, protein powders tend to come in these recycle, I mean, these uh, plastic containers, and yes, some might be recyclable, but many of them end up in landfills and in the ocean and, you know, causing all kinds of problems with this plastic crisis so we can reduce that consumerism and excess waste by just, you know, having some extra nuts or nut butters or, um, or have a little bit extra lentils or have a three bean chili or put some almond butter on your apple slices or have a butter sandwich or have some tofu with your stir fry or add tempeh with your vegetables or your noodle dish. It's that simple. So, um, let's talk about training just for a moment here. Yeah. We had a question here. Where did it go? I wanted um, to say one here. thing about supplement before yeah, we go, go into ahead. training. Um, go that sometimes supplements also, they create a placebo effect, meaning that um, you, you take the supplement and it, it makes you think that you're getting stronger or yeah, yeah, getting, yeah. gaining something out of it. It's, it's just it's just that effect. It's like people take pre-workout or post-workout. I'm like, oh, I'm ready to work out. So, you know, it gives you that feeling. And they might have some some caffeine on it that is causing that. But it's like people think that if you don't take that, then you're not going to be able to perform. And I actually did this my own self. I t- tested this and I never shared this with anyone before. So I'll share it with you guys. I went, um, I think I did like a whole month and I was taking, uh, I don't know what, some supplement. I don't, let's say it was a pre-workout. And I was like, okay, let me see if I take this. Of course, of a vegan brand, I was taking a pre-workout, for example. And I'm like, let me go take this out and let me go work out to see how it feel. And then, so, uh, so I used it for like, let's say for a whole month. So, so I can have enough data. And then uh, the next following month, I went with no supplement. Guess what? There was no different. It was like the same, it was the same reaction. Like I won't say it was worse. Right. But I would say that I didn't see no difference, like even taking supplement or not taking supplement. I will see who was able to perform at a higher level. If I what I do find out is like if I rest, if I have a good night's sleep, if I have a good rest, I can perform in the gym. If I recover better, that's the reason why you want to eat good quality meals, because if you recover better, then you can work out stronger. You don't need to have the, the pulse of pre-workout, all the different things. So that's just my personal opinion. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree, Roger. There's so much of the, the mental aspect right. of whether you're going to make forward progress or not. And, and just, you know, showing up day after day is one of the best things that you can do to be consistent. Exactly. You don't need the magical potions and the special powders and all the, 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 the wonderful tools yeah. and all of that. You need the basics. You need to show up every day. You need to put in the mm-hmm. work. You need to get a sweat going. You need to get some resistance training going and work right. muscles and eat the right foods to help them recover through the amino acids, the building blocks of protein, repair damaged muscle tissues, re- replace electrolytes lost through sweat, getting complex carbohydrates to help refuel and rebuild the body. Uh, that's what we need. Right. It's not it's not the special science, except for those <laughs> at the very, very elite level. And right. even at that level, I interviewed people for the plant-based athlete. There were many Olympic athletes, numerous Olympic athletes, including uh, Olympic uh, medalists, who were worried about taking supplements because they thought they might fail a drug test, even if it was a simple like hemp yeah. protein or protein powder. And That's so right. you know unequivocally that we don't need to do these things. And you look at someone like Rip Esselstyn, who just set a world record in the 200 meter backstroke for his age group last year or two years ago, age um, 59, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and, and he doesn't use any supplements and, and hasn't in in decades, to the best of my knowledge. I mean, he's very much, I mean, he's he's the son of Dr. Esselstyn. I mean, that's what they do. They do have a whole food approach. He's plant strong. And right. so he's just one other example uh, of achieving high levels of athletic success without having to rely mentally, psychologically on something that may or may not help you all that much when what really matters is the mind muscle connection and what you're doing with your athletic training. And I also like, I even wrote it down um, somewhere over here. I think I tossed it to the side, but having a purpose that's bigger than yourself, I'm motivated by the same thing. I, I, mm-hmm. I recognize that working out is hard, you know, that it, it com- sometimes creates yeah. pain in the muscles when you're training, right. but I'm doing it because I'm trying to make a better version of me to represent yeah. veganism the best that I can to encourage other people like you said, the impact that maybe I had on you or that I had on other people, like that means a lot to me. Yeah. And, I, and I know it's far reaching and I know it spares animals from life of misery and suffering. And that matters to me. And that makes me train uh, and gives me a psychological advantage more than some sort of supplement would. So, yeah. so let's, let's, um, let's transition to training. There's a few questions yeah. about training. But I also, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about, you know, veganism mm-hmm. within the Latin community and, and yeah. some of the places you've traveled all around the world. And I want to hear some about the most vegan friendly cities you've been to in countries, <laughs> maybe some of the least vegan friendly cities and countries. Yeah. I know you spent some time in your life living in yeah. the Caribbean and New York and Texas. Yeah. I'd like to hear, I think just on a personal note, I think that's quite interesting, but you yeah. also have lots of interest in your topic here. So there's lots of questions coming in. So sure. I want to. Let's power through some of these, maybe relatively yeah. quickly if we can, sure. so we can talk about some of the stuff that you do as an, right. as an advocate for veganism, which I think Absolutely. is important. Okay. So Steph has a question about um, uh, if you can talk about resistance training for postmenopausal women who are beginners, and maybe just for anybody who's in a little bit of the, the older demographic, how important mm-hmm. weight training is, men or women, um, if you could tackle those questions. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it is a good, good question because recently my dad was asking me about um, workout and um, I actually built him a, a home workout so he worked with his own weight. So he had like a 15, 20 pounds dumbbells and a kettlebell and uh, we, we were able to set up a, a really nice workout. So um, I advise you can work out about 35 to 40 minutes 
at least three days, three days in the, during the week, uh, three days during the week, it will be a, a sweet spot. Um, is you want to up it up a little bit more depending on your level of intensity. So I don't know if you're just getting started or if you are at an advanced level. Yeah, beginner. So, okay. Yeah. So um, I will suggest um, you can do a lot of body weights. Start with your body weight, right? Once you get comfortable, learn the movement. So it, things that you can do, functional movement, I'll, Robert preached about these, he talks about these all the time. Workouts that you can do that you can move, jumping jab, push-ups, um, you can start with the basic levels. That will be a good things to do. Um, do things with, uh, if you, if you have a resistant band, you can also use that as well. So three days a week, um, 35 minutes, maybe you can include a little bit of cardio as well. And then of course, find out what is actually the intention of working out because we can customize that workout based on what your goals are is you want to lose weight, gain weight, gain muscle. I mean, depending, right. But so, so this, this is a broader topic that I, we can discuss in a whole session, but I would advise um, using some kettlebells, using dumbbells. Uh, you can use body weights to just to get started. Just so you can get comfortable. You can do, you can do squat and then um, raise your hands up, for example, and that's an easy workout move, but it's just a functional move and it workouts your whole full body. So, and then I, I can name a, a couple of moves just like that that you can uh, incorporate. So I hope that helps. I don't know if you're going to add to it, Robert. So would you like to hear like a more workout plan? What is no, I, I think that's, I, I think the point is it's, yeah. it's okay to do resistance training beyond just okay. cardiovascular training and resistance rate weight training is going to be great for building bone density and strength, preventing injuries, um, uh, building up strength. And, um, and helping us build our bodies as we age. And I think that's, that's important. And I, uh, I, I think that's good for anybody uh, yeah. over 50, 60, 70 to be doing resistance weight training. It's very, very common. I see that at my gym. Uh, I, I hear that when, I, when I'm with Larry Krug on the vegan cruise, who's in his 70s and he's a trainer mm -hmm. and he talks about that too, that the power of resistance weight training as we age for bone density, strength, muscle mass, um, prevention of injury, um, all of that kind of stuff. So, so that's great. Um, really quick questions here. MJ, I don't think it's Michael Jordan, but we'll pretend that MJ <laughs> with us because we're big basketball fans. So we're gonna we're, we're gonna pretend the goat is in the house. Like the greatest, the of goat. All time. greatest of all time. MJ wants to know a a good a good snack to fuel a late afternoon workout, and also thanked us for the conversation and this topic, and has really enjoyed us. So thank you, Michael Jordan. Um, uh, Roger, what do you got for like an afternoon snack to kind of keep you going for fuel? Date with peanut butter. Date with peanut butter. Okay, hey, let's 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 <laughs> let's move on from there. Um, Rachel had a question. I think you actually addressed it mm -hmm. uh, briefly. Um, she's curious about where you get B12 and a whole food plant-based diet. If it doesn't come from supplements, I think you mentioned nutritional yeast, maybe, Correct. um, uh, I know some people talk about, um, different types of seaweed like dulse. And right. also I think the answer is probably fortified foods. I mean, there's lots of Correct. fortified soy milk, fortified go. almond milk, that kind of stuff, which might Correct. not be 100% whole food, right. but right. the, the right. thing, the point Roger was making, Rachel, was that, um, you don't have to necessarily uh, go take a supplement like a pill or a tablet if you're eating foods that either naturally contain some level of B12 or are already oh, right. fortified and enriched right. with it. And that's been my experience too. And, and blood work re re revealed I was in the high, very high end of B12. Um, right. so I think you were clear that that's the exactly. clarification there. Roger, let's, um, let's, as we wind down here, let's kind of do some uh, yeah. rapid fire questions. Um, sure. I want people to learn more about you. 
too. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, what is your what is your favorite form of vegan advocacy? So right now, um, Robert, my I, I had two ways. Uh, I really I had two ways that I write to um, to help people. So one is uh, I use the fitness part of it. Uh, as you guys can tell, um, vegan bodybuilding, I, I go on stage and I perform and I always represent veganism, even though if I do it as a solo, it's a solo sport, but I perform it from a high level, right? So that's one of my former activism and advocacy. So the other way that I like to do it is is to um, spread in the message or communicating. Um, I have a couple of, of platforms that I open just to simplify that I would like to express myself and my experience, things that I have lived through. And uh, I, I speak all on facts of my own personal experience. And I use that as a, as a way of, of, of help others. And, and also, I, I, if somebody else needs coaching or help in that sense or transitioning, I, I can help them as well too. I'm always open for that. Um, I certify with eCornell. Uh, <laughs> thanks to you, I got that as well. So um, I'm always use those different type of resources so I can have more tools so I can help people in that sense. So any way that I can help, I'm, I'm here available for you guys. So either through coaching, either to fitness or just by consuming my content. Amazing. And for those yeah. who tuned in late, uh, uh, Roger Smith is, is a vegan athlete, entrepreneur, podcast host, been vegan for more than 20 years, uh, mm-hmm. and also does a lot of work in the um, in the Latin community. Can you talk about yeah. the, the growth of veganism or lack of growth? I, I, I have to admit, I don't know a whole lot about it at, at sure. the current state. So can you talk about veganism within the Latin community these days? Yeah. So so this this whole thing started for me uh, as a as a curiosity, right? Because it I was trying to find out information regarding like who who are the so because here here in like in North America, including Mexico, U.S. and Canada, we have tons of information, tons of tons of tons of influencers, tons of, tons of people that you can listen to and, and learn from. But then I started noticing there was a lack of of content above like Central or South America or anything any further that you go, it was a lack of information. And I was wondering why, and I, and I couldn't, couldn't grasp the reason why. And one of the things is because the information was not basically communicated on their language. Now, like for example, now Robert's book, you can find in the different languages, which is great because now we get in the message in different forms or in different ways to express the message in different languages. So I noticed that there was a lack of information, um, especially on the Spanish, um, regarding to veganism and, and, and the whole thing. So, and, uh, and I was like, well, you know what? Instead of me complaining about it, let me do something about it. So I decided to, to say, you know what? I'm going to create a podcast and I'm going to talk about vegan from a Latin perspective, and that, which is not really that much different, right? It's just basically me saying veganism in Spanish, which is vegano. <laughs> vegan is vegano. So it's just add an L and then that's it. So it was just me talking in Spanish about veganism and all the different things that I went through. So for whoever um, consumed that content can relate to it. Oh, okay, there's a voice, not only the voice for the voice, but it's a voice that uh, speak my language that's talking about the things that I'm interested in knowing. So that's all I wanted to do. And, um, and I created this platform. So one of the things that I decided to do is like now after a couple of years of doing that project, because I'm still doing it, people started reaching out to me and saying, well, you've never been to my country, so you don't know what it is to be vegan here. 
And I was like, okay, so what do I do about it? Okay, let me do something about it. <laughs> so I started, I started traveling to some of these countries out of my own pocket. Nobody sponsored me anything, right? So this is where was my idea. So I went to a couple of these places and I was actually wanting to live like, okay, let me see how it is to be vegan in Cuba, for example. People talk, oh, it's so difficult to be vegan in Cuba. And, um, and, and I did that with a couple of other places. And the one thing I found just to, because this is, we can, I can tell you guys the whole story, but it's going to take it forever. But the one thing that I find out is like, one is like, if you really want to find vegetables and fruit, any country in the world that you go is going to have vegetables and fruit. So you're going to find something to eat. Now, yeah. the one big difference that I can tell is the variety. We don't have such variety of food or product or brand, but we're talking about processed food brands. Uh, the good thing about some of these places is that you can always go back and eat the basic. Yeah. Basic is not going to kill you. Now, you're not gonna, you go to all some of these places, they don't want to have 50, they're not going to have a wall, three walls in the supermarket full of plant-based products, right? They, they might not even have a, a, a section for plant-based but you're always going to find seeds, nuts, vegetables, fruits. I mean, the basic stuff you're going to find. So you can cook your own meal. You can prep your own food. So that was the, that was the thing that, that, that was the message that I got out of different places. Now, the other aspect is that by not having the variety of food and or, or in these places, in these countries, and then there's a lot of politics behind it. It could be because the government doesn't subsidize but vegan food and all the different things it creates a market for local people to create their own product. So now you have locals creating their own brand, creating their own Satan, their own plant-based meats, creating their own plant-based cheese, all these different products. So you have a lot more local creating product. So now you got some entrepreneurs here and there doing different things. So it creates a market and an opportunity. People are monetizing that of, of, of creating this food. So I saw that there's a lot of other opportunity. So when you, when you black, you only, only blindsided and you only see one way, of course, you're never going to see light, but when you open up your eyes and you can see a lot more things and a more opportunity and that will start happening. So if you're a person that live in a country and say, Oh, there's no way you can be vegan in this country. It's because you never even tried it. You never gave it the opportunity. You didn't even even research it. Because I've been to some of these places. Like I went to Cuba, one of the most difficult countries to find vegan food. And I found vegan food. <laughs> I found restaurants. I mean, maybe I didn't find my 100% vegan restaurant, but, um, well, there were actually, but there were not, may not many. There were like two or three, maybe, out of 15 options. Happy Cow actually has a good opportunity to see fine places. But I was able to find um, the basic stuff and some food. So, you can find if you really wanted to. So that's one thing that I got out of the whole experiment, Robert. Yeah, just out of curiosity, I've traveled yeah. to a lot of countries myself, although yeah. admittedly, many of those countries were back when I worked on cruise ships 20 years okay. ago, and I was just dropping in for the, you know, for the day. And so it was easy mm -hmm. to, to just eat for the day. I wasn't immersed into the culture, into the, right. into the country, but I've been to a lot of places as well. Uh, what would you say uh, is maybe the, the most vegan friendly city you've ever been to, let's say outside the United States, and then uh -huh. what would be the least vegan friendly city? This could be cities or countries, but what, uh -huh. what, are, what are like the most vegan friendly place outside of America and then uh -huh. the least, least vegan friendly place, which, you know, which needs support and more work and maybe we can yeah. help 
you know, support that growth. Okay. So I will say uh, from the ones that I visited Bogota, Colombia, very vegan friendly. Okay. Not, not only, not only from the food standpoint, Capital city, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The capital of Colombia, correct. Yes. Uh -huh. Not only from the food standpoint, shout out to my Colombian friends, and not only from the food standpoint, but also from the, um, the, 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 whole, the whole animal movement too. So they, they're pretty strong on that. So they, I, I, now, I have not been to all South America. So uh, let, me, let, me, let me clarify that. I have not been to, to the entire South America. So I can, Robert asked me the country that I've been to. So I have not been to other countries in South America, so I can't compare. But the ones that I visited, this one has been the most vegan friendly for me because there was vegan restaurants all over the place. They have, they have several um, vegan clothing brands made locally. Again, shoes, belt, all the different things. The only problem that they have, and I need to tell you these guys, and I told them, is that you need to make sizes bigger because here in America, we've... <laughs> You know, the size is like you, like, for example, if I'm an extra large here in the U.S., for them, it's like a three or four sale. So the, the church are really, really small. I don't know, maybe the frame of people on that side of the world is different. But anyway, so <laughs> so um, that was the biggest uh, friendly city that I visited. Now, the less big and friendly, I, I will have to put also Costa Rica is pretty big and friendly and Panama is also being very, big, very big and friendly, but only from like the food standpoint. But Colombia was like more overall, like you can find from clothing to activism to, you know, like, they, they, yeah, yeah, the lifestyle, correct. Like the vegan lifestyle in general, that place is, um, was um, the less vegan friendly mm, that I visited. It could potentially be, I could say Cuba could be probably the most less vegan friendly just because it wasn't as many as variety of restaurants or, or auctions. And that, that's, that's, that's typical. Like, you know, we all know what situation there. Right? So um, it might be the reason why, but even with that, um, I had an experience that I went to a hotel and I asked the chef, like, can you, can you make something vegan? And, and the chef was like, yeah, sure. I can do that. So she made me a nice plate with rice and lentils and, and, and peppers. I was like, it was really good. So, so you can still get it customized because they, they, they use, um, they use, they, and they use very natural because they use squat as a uh, as a dip i mean they, they don't really have a lot of processed items because a lot of food they don't, they don't get food from from uh, from the outside so they really stick to what they can build with their own hands and really quick there is another yeah. question i'm gonna get to in a second um yeah you're in you're in uh houston texas these days right right yes i'm in houston what's what's the vegan scene like there obviously you came from i think new york before yeah. that um, right. But I've heard some good things about Houston, and I plan to go later this year. So hopefully, see you in a couple months. Absolutely. Uh, what is? I mean, Houston is. They say it's going to pass Chicago, be the third largest city in America soon. I've heard that all year. Uh, population should surpass Chicago soon. So yeah. the third largest city potentially behind New York and Los Angeles in America. Yeah. What's the vegan scene like in in Houston? It's good. It's good. When I'm in the vegan scene from a food standpoint, yes, we're, we, have a, we have a lot of variety of restaurants, um, very diverse. Um, you can find Asian, you can find soul food, uh, you can find um, just typical American food. You can find anything you want when it comes to the vegan cuisine. So in that sense, we are very advanced. The one thing about Houston is a very spread out city. So you might be on the west side of Houston and it takes you about like 45 minutes to an hour to get to the, to the city. And then uh, that's where probably the majority of the uh, restaurants are concentrated, right? So 
that's what like probably the biggest complaint from the from people. So they want the options to be built more closer to where their area is, and and not 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 always that's not always going to be the case. So and um, but the, but the scene is it's a very good scene. Um, we have we have from the whole Texas in general. I would have to admit that has pretty. People will be surprised, but you got some really good restaurants. Austin, of course, we all know it's the mecca of veganism in, in, when it comes to Texas. But then I will put I will put Houston second uh, when it comes down to the cuisine aspect of, of veganism here uh, in, in that list. And then probably we'll put San Antonio and Dallas and fighting for third place when it comes to food. Roger, can I add to that? Yeah. It's, yeah. It sounds like if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Beyond just the food scene in Houston, you have uh, Doc, uh, Dr. Baxter Montgomery there, who's doing some amazing right. work in the hospital system, as I understand it. Art, I believe Garth Davis moved back there. Yeah. Dr. Mm-hmm. Brooke Goldner and Thomas Tadlock there. Yeah, yeah, they're from here. Yeah, yeah. so you've got, I mean, that's just people off the top of my head. Uh, there's, I'm sure there's, uh, there's more, I think, is it Dr. Howard Jacobson? Is he nearby? Maybe not. I thought he was in Houston. Maybe he's not. But uh, but you got beyond uh, the point is there's it's beyond the food scene. Houston is growing with the medical professionals. I just named three three doctors that are pretty big names off the top of my head that are there. In fact, I saw Doctor Baxter Baxter Montgomery a few days ago in Washington D.C. Oh yeah, learned about some of the stuff he's doing in Houston. So that's 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 fantastic. Yeah, um, I want to yeah. get to uh, one last question here from yeah. Rachel. So we'll switch gears, just get this last question answered. And then I want to hear, um, you know, like what you're working on right now and how people mm-hmm. can uh, support you, follow you, listen to your podcast, follow you on social media, uh, find out what Roger's up to. So um, <laughs> here's one last question before we wrap up today, Roger. And sure. again, I really, I uh, really appreciate your time the last uh, hour and 10 minutes or so. So um, uh, Rachel's back. She had a question about um, B12. We, we, we mm-hmm. got that uh, addressed. Um, she has fibromyalgia uh, and was and has uh, mostly upper thighs get tired and hurt, and uh, tiredness really hits when she tries to squat in the gym. Mm. And she wants to get stronger, especially with her legs. What's the best food to have before a session, and how long before should she eat to give her energy and strength to get through the forty-five minute workout? So she's dealing with some pain and soreness. And wants to know um, and tiredness and, and what she can eat before workout to kind of power her through. Why? Well, that's a good question. Well, first, um, as far as the pain, I would I would advise that you check out the doctor because um, I can't give you a medical um, advice from that. So, but when it comes to food prior to working out, like I personally work out with an empty stomach. But if you want to eat a, a meal before working out, you can just eat a banana, some dates, something around very light. I wouldn't recommend having a heavy meal um, and then go work out. And then so try to have that meal after that. So that will be my, my advice. And then after you come back from the gym, so I'm assuming that say you work out in the morning, then you can have your breakfast, whatever it is that you you eat for breakfast. You can have your oatmeal. Um, you can have your, your toast or, or whatever it is that your breakfast looks like. Um, is you work out at night, um, same thing. I'll have something light. Uh, I'll wait. I will have something light. I'll maybe wait 15 to 30 minutes to wait just to food to kind of settle. And then I go work out. Then work out. And then you have that meal. Hopefully you don't work, you don't go all too late to the gym that you're eating that really late at night. But at least I will just try to schedule that way. I don't know if you have a, another piece of advice when it comes to that, Robert. Well, I would just maybe add, um, try to consume as many anti-inflammatory foods as possible. I mean, obviously, okay. um, 
pro-inflammatory things that uh, that lead to soreness and tiredness and uh, that are that are ongoing um, issues for a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, from a very oftentimes a, a pro-inflammatory diet or even just a, a pro-inflammatory condition, you know, like uh, like perhaps like fibromyalgia. So so I, I would you know turmeric and ginger and leafy greens and and foods like that and maybe even um, for like the fatigue, maybe even things that are rich in nitric oxide, like beets and leafy green vegetables, which help as a vasodilator to expand blood vessels and increase blood flow. Um, high hydration intake, I'd probably eat but high antioxidant content, dark pigment berries, dark pigment, sweet potatoes, um, things like that. Um, so that's all that I would add there. And, and, and one more thing, um, and I think she mentioned her squad. So from a workout standpoint, yeah. uh, look for variation of squat. So what I mean with that is like, if you, you don't have to have the heavy weight in, in, um, in your shoulders and try to squat it, you feel that, you know, you have knee problems, maybe you put a chair and then try to sit down and go up and down to that chair. So just try to look for variation. So that workout, sometimes you have machines at the gym that doesn't, it's a, it's a quad machine, right? And then it allows you to kind of alleviate uh, some of that, some of that tension. Also, the Smith machine is another way that you can do it. So look for different um, alternative until you get comfortable enough, or until you get stronger in those those joints or whatever is that the recovery processes you need to do prior to do that. Um, plus, find other workouts that you can do that doesn't require you to, for example, say do squat because not necessarily because the person that does squats is the strongest person ever. No, but it's a variety of exercise. So just look for variations of, of workouts. I, I agree, Roger. I don't do squat in the gym. I mean, I haven't squatted right. in years because I've got the herniated discs in my L5S1 lower sacrum. So, but my legs still to this day are maybe my best muscle. Amazing. Amazing. Squats because I do uh, leg extensions. I can do leg presses because there's no pressure on the lower back because you're locked into a leg press machine. I do hamstring curls lying down or seated or both. Uh, I, I do a little donkey kick machine for glutes. Mm-hmm. I do the half mm-hmm. raises in different varieties, seated, standing, um, or even pressing on the leg press machine. I do variations of leg press machine um, where it hits the, the quads, hamstrings, and glutes at different angles. And that's all without compromising my spine by doing a squat position. So you're right. There's plenty that you can do uh, beyond mm-hmm. squats to build leg strength, endurance, muscle, bone density, all of that. So Roger, we are, yeah. we're coming to an end here. This is actually maybe the, one of the longest episode I've ever had here on Vegan Conversations with Robert Cheek. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, awesome. And it's always a pleasure talking to you, Roger. I, and I do yeah. hope to see you in a couple months. Um, can you just maybe uh, finish up by telling us what you're working on now and, and how we can find you online or how we can you know listen yeah. to some of your podcasts and all of that? Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you, Robert. Thank you for the opportunity. Same way with you. Um, yeah, so right now I'm currently I'm currently training for a show. Um, so I've been I've been in I've been away the last three years from the sport of bodybuilder. But when a bodybuilder changes is being off season, it doesn't mean that it's not training. It means that they're not training for a competition, which is a different thing, right? So I've been uh, I've been for the last past three years. I mean, away I've been doing different things, different projects. 
So now this year I decided I'm gonna compete. I've actually already I'm gonna announce my dates. It's uh, no October 7 and October 30. I'm gonna do two shows. It's the first time in my bodybuilding career that I'm gonna do back to back shows. So I'm gonna do a show on October 7 and I'm gonna do another show in October the 30th. So so I still have plenty of time. So I'm prepping for the show. So you're gonna see uh in my social media, which I'll announce in a little bit. You're gonna find um, posts that are related to some of the workouts, and I give some tips uh, and some of, some of the workouts and what else I'm, I'm doing as far as building different part of my body uh, for a competition. Um, now, I have a couple of the projects coming up. So one is uh, I don't want to give out too much, but I'm gonna say that um, I'm I'm working on a project here in Houston where I'm building and when I'm gonna be able to create uh, an entertainment center, but it's gonna be all fully plant-based. So that's all I'm gonna say. And it's gonna be catered to, to anyone, everyone, but I wanna be able to cater to, uh, uh, or get to a different demography as well, to a different type of people also, that is a, a completely different world. And then also promote veganism and plant-based from that perspective by giving them something that they can feel more entitled, that they can feel more more happy, and they can feel more like their universe. And in the same way, I'm, I'm kind of putting veganism or putting plant-based into the equation by having vegan options, right? So it's gonna be a whole full plant-based entertainment center. So that's, I'm excited about that project. And it's gonna be here in Houston. And um, and the rest is just, I mean, if you just gonna follow me or, or, or listen to to my podcast, um, I, my, my handle is vegan Roger. <laughs> as simple as that. It's at vegan Roger and in, um, in Instagram. And then uh, I have a link tree there. And then you can find all the all the links for my podcast and my I'm on Spotify. I'm on YouTube as, as well. And I post episodes for my podcast in my YouTube channel as well. And it's every other every other week I post uh, either an English uh, an English episode or a Spanish episode. And um, most of the time, it's not all the times. Um, there are different topics. I just talk about different th- things that comes to my mind. And in episode number six and seven is actually Robert. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can bring Chef AJ in one of my uh, upcoming episodes. But yeah, episode six and seven of the podcast, I'm already in episode 153. Uh, it's, it's Robert. It's Robert. Um, I interviewed Robert. And then you guys can hear what he said prior to even launching his book because it was during that time. Well, thank you, Roger. It has been an absolute pleasure. I could tell from the comments, people really enjoyed it. I, I appreciate you sharing your experience as a longtime vegan. It's so it just it's just so inspiring to to see a, a, someone who's been vegan for decades and maintains the amount of muscle mass that you have, and also has the compassion. That yeah, you have. that's what I love about you, man. I, I I appreciate that you lead with your heart. You're a compassionate guy. You, you're, you've always been incredibly friendly and outgoing every time that we've uh, we've crossed paths. And uh, I thank you for joining me today on Chef AJ's channel for Vegan Conversations with Robert Cheek. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Anytime, guys. I love you guys and I appreciate you guys for having me. Thank you so much. This was a wonderful interview. It was so great to get to know you a little bit better, Roger. And I'd love to be on your platform anytime and have you on mine as well. And Robert, do you know who you're interviewing next month? And oh, I wanted to tell you, Dr. Howard Jacobson, I believe is North Carolina. I, yeah. I thought about that as I was saying it. I just, I remembered it was like a random conversation. He was driving through Houston or something or, and when he reached out to me. So I, I realized that as I said it, but thank you for the, for the, uh, the, the, the fact check correction and Chef AJ, I don't 
know exactly who is who is next month. It's going to be a mystery, but I will have that <laughs> determined. Well, some, is there somebody on your bucket list? Because I we can maybe ask them. Well, I've got um, I've got a number of people on the bucket list, so let's just we'll just leave it open ended. Um, I've been traveling for weeks. I just got back. I was actually just outside the White House two days ago when the South Korean president was coming through. It was very wild. Uh, lots wow. of Secret Service and police and all that. I was in D.C. Um, just got back, and then I'm on a plane tomorrow to Portland, Oregon, to do a book signing at Next Level Burger in Portland at the West Burnside location. So it is. That's on Saturday. So yeah, I'm on the go, but don't you worry. There's going to be- I don't a- know how you do it. You're like time. the hardest working person in the plant-based world. Right. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thanks all of you Appreciate for watching this episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back in about an hour when we have a Q&A with Dr. Michael Greger. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.